0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Mixtape Book Club. I am Fatma Arif and our author guest today is Sabah Kareem Khan. Um, Her debut novel came out recently called uh, Skyfall, and it's a very interesting book. uh, Using a very typecast plot, she has told a very non-stereotypical story and we are going to talk about it with her uh what inspired her to write this um and how uh she planned and what her future plans are so welcome Saba.
1: thank you so much Fatma, and thank you to everyone who's joined in very excited about this
0: so let's just uh Dig right in, and the reason I didn't give uh, sort of a detailed uh, introduction is, a I find them boring, and secondly, I think that when we uh, my first question will sort of encompass your uh, professional profile as well. So this is your debut novel, but we have talked before, and in that discussion, you said that you always, uh, despite the fact that you your degrees are pretty different. And your work previously has been a bit different. It's not in hardcore literature. But you have been involved in documentary filmmaking as well. You teach at NYU uh, campus in Dubai. You have a degree from Oxford as well. You're an al- alumni as well. So given all these things, and now you are telling a fiction story. So how does all of that work uh, combine lead up to Skyfall? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. The other day, I think Hamad and I were doing an interview, and he said, can you connect the dots today when you look back? And I guess, um, to some extent, yes, I can, in that I think we've spoken about this earlier, but I grew up kind of in an environment Jahape, you know, kitabe, shairi, that sort of thing. You know, Abu was a professor of English literature. So um, talk of letters and books and those sorts of things was quite common around the house in a very simple kind of, you know, everyday way, not in, not in a super sort of pretentious kind of way. So I think somewhere at the back of my head, at the back of my siblings head as well we obviously knew that storytelling and, and literature is something that really speaks to us and i think over time you know there were there were different instances when i was at lums for example for my Senior project. I tried. I tried writing a novella, you know, a shorter version of a of a book, just to see. Do I have the discipline? Do I have the creativity to do it? I think that was the first serious kind of attempt to do something in long form. And then um, after that, you know, when I came to NYU, kind of the environment creatively, I think was such, and the impetus was really there to drive me on. And I think it's a story that everyone's now heard at nauseum about the headmaster, so I probably won't repeat it here, but it was this idea of just finding your song, you know, because um, I was at a book talk the other day and somebody in Karachi actually a couple of weeks ago and somebody used this really good word of hustle and said, we're usually hustling for the future or we're you know, digging into nostalgia for the past, and in that, trying to unearth your song in the present kind of becomes a difficult thing to do. So I think for me, storytelling kind of is my song. It allows me to think about my job as beyond nine to five, and also allows me to think a lot about the eulogy, not just the resume. You know, with two small kids, with a full-time job, you often neglect that question. So I think I think um, you know, it's something that I eventually faced, reckoned with and so irrespective of medium whether it's film or or writing I think storytelling is really my song uh,
0: so coming to Skyfall and the theme um, I'm not uh, really sure how many of our audiences participating in the podcast and those who will be listening to it uh, have read the entire thing or in the middle of it so I won't be like try, I'll try not to spoil uh, anything but the theme of this book. Um when you start out and when you read the when you read the introductions, it's sort of everybody sort of gives in uh, a typical idea that oh another Asian writer, another South Asian writer writing about the same thing. Uh, writing about because most of the writings that have been done up till now or as far as my research or my reading has is concerned about the red light area of uh, Lahore. It's a very typical story. In um, non-fiction, there a uh, uh, Taboo is one of the, I think, the standalone book that explores that area properly and with in, with every different lens of it. But in fiction, be it movies, Hamari, ho jayin, Bollywood. When it comes to that area, ka mention aata hai, wo prehistorical time se ka touch upon times when Nawabs and that area had its peak, or now the area is perceived as a very typical uh, story, di jati, ek bade, matlab, sort of, you know, wo ek, it's, a, it's a dark place. It's a black place. It's not where good people go. It's not where good people live. But your book has sort of a shade of gray. So just... uh share, obviously, uh, even if those of you who have not read the book, So obviously it's, it's a book about a girl who is uh, living in uh, the Shahi Mohalla and ends up, through her singing talent and with some help and some luck, ends up in New York City. So that's entire her journey and what goes, how it happens, what happens to her. The story revolves around her. But, but my question would be, that what made you pick that area? Uh, Shades of Grey and जो जिस story आपने बताई है of the struggles of a girl. वो given आजकल scenario? scenarios area ki ho thi. But what drew you you to that specific area?
1: Yeah, you know, Fatma, I think that's such an important question because a lot of times you're a hundred percent right that especially as South Asian writers, you end up getting a lot of flack for kind of revisiting yeah. the same brain. You know, Woy terrorism, voy bichari ladki, all of that kind of stuff, you know. And I think I think for me what I was what I've tried to do with Skyfall is to there is a certain everyday embodied reality that we have which which includes sort of you know people on the margins you know religion women, all of that, it's hard to shy away from that. But I think there's a way of visiting that terrain in a in a less superficial way and a way that plays less to the Western gallery. So to kind of say, you know, it's almost like digging a well and how deep do you want to go with it? Like I feel Pakistani literature right now has literally scratched the surface and we tend to do it in very typical kind of almost cookie cutter molds, you know, where it's like, oh, she's from the red light area. So there's just one way she can be. And I think with I think with Skyfall, my, well, first of all, to answer the question of why she's from there, um, honestly, she's from there because during my time in Lahore, the time I had spent in Lahore, um, really getting to know parts of the old city, getting to know parts of the mohalla for another research project, which I didn't know at the time would inform the novel, of course, I think for me was a real watershed. Because I started out with exactly the same stereotypes, Fatma, that you're outlining, which is to say that these women will have no agency. These women will be typically dumbed down, you know, and it's not it's grime. And it's it's, as you said, completely correctly, it's dark. And, you know, there's no other reason you go but for that one reason there. And I think in the course of the time that I spent with them, because you know, I repeatedly kind of had what I would like to call a pretty immersive experience. And I think. Um, if I'm to be if I'm to be very frank, it was really eye-opening and illuminating for me because I went in with a lot of that baggage that most of us go in imagining to find. Although Sari of course, had the oppression is there, you know, the filth is there. But what really marked a kind of paradigmatic shift for me psychologically and kind of in terms of perception about Hira Mandi was that these are not women who are operating agnostic to dreams. They have dreams, they have aspirations. Some of them are savvy entrepreneurs. And I think for me, it was just my curiosity peaked to say, can empowerment look different from how we imagine it when we think about the West? Because that's typically what we tend to do. Now, a idea Leah West say parachuted it in without fully processing and understanding it and saying, How can we just quickly copy-paste this into Pakistan scenario? And I think when I met these women, I was like, what happens when a woman from this area actually decides to unleash a beautiful brown mind? You know, they have these broken lives. They're from where we like to call the margins, all of that, all of that dirt, um, as it's often called. And yet they're trying to reclaim some kind of agency in places where we normally imagine there will be none. And and so for me, I think that was surprising. And it's that surprise that I really chased in the book to say, all right, we know the two polarized extremes of women in Pakistan. We know what a privileged girl will look like. We know what someone who's completely oppressed will look like. Is there a slightly more complex? sort of grey story to tell here um, which which maybe is a little more unexpected so I think and, and of course there's that and then I guess I guess the other big reason is just my love affair with Lahore I mean I absolutely I wasn't born and brought up there but I spent significant time there and I feel there's a cultural and emotional pull to that city which I failed to kind of process in other parts of Pakistan so it's very close to my heart
0: uh, you, you put it very rightly um, in the book as well and And when I read Taboo for the first time it was like a few years ago um, I think that area I think signifies our cultural hypocrisy as well our society a hypocritical that place is being dumped and you know looked down upon and being judged but well it thrives because the entire city goes there you like, you like people who admit it or who don't. legendary comments People, very high people and very apparently in our uh, high echelons of our power can have sort of left their DNA there, but they won't claim it. But anyways, um, one of the very, um, I think one of the highlights of this book was as you said, you know, you try to explore the agency of women there who are generally portrayed as being that they have none, but they do. Um, and during the book, you know, when even the sort of the music competition that uh, our protagonist takes part in, se also jata hai like, you know, let's try and, you know, give them some scripts. Uh, uh, events some of the characters are sort of they make fun that you know oh these, these people come in we have ribbon cutting then they go and you know uh, we rip off them because street food they go and pay so much money and eat so the, you know those are uh, fun fact probably, uh, sort of things but then the female characters, I want you to sort of uh, sort of talk about them, not just our protagonist or her mother or her sister even, but uh, some her her music teacher, um, her Christian friend. Wo saare, every character had a very specific agency and had a very strong role in pushing the main character to where to sort of you know achieve her goals. In sub-characters ka role. Tha, and, uh, and they all were, they all these all characters were, they had shades of play. And one more thing that I will sort of club it in here was, uh, and this is something that I really liked about your book was the fact that your protagonist here, because we, she, we were all rooting for her. We wanted her to, and she had, you know, dreams. She had uh, ideas that people stereotypically don't associate with. Um, women of that uh, area, but the fact that those ideas didn't come out of the blue. Her mother instilled the idea of reading in in those kids, and that woman was a working woman, uh, a very typical working woman. Just up, Kelly. And the fact that you don't highlight the fact that the protagonist because she is the hero because we are rooting for her despite her circumstances in her environment. She is the, you know, the 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 white in the all shades of gray. That she is very good. She doesn't have any experiences. She doesn't have to go through any of all that env- her environment has to offer. So just share how, you know, writing all those characters in the shade of gray, was it really important? Did it happen organically? Or you made
1: it a point that that happens like that? yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up, Fatma, because what tends to happen is that if I look back at the first draft of the book, I'm just going to talk about maybe the characters apart from Rania for for a moment and say that, you know, in the first draft of the book, I feel even, for example, her sister's character was maybe um, less, less compelling in the sense that she was less memorable. And as I took sort of additional stabs at it, and and all credit to my editor here, he said to me that irrespective of the screen time or kind of, let me say, the number of words or pages that a character gets or the number of chapters that they appear in, they have to do two things. They have to be memorable. And B, they have to evoke some kind of emotional response. Now that could be anger, that could be joy, that could be pathos, whatever it might be. But I'm sure it's happened with everybody who's here today that you know you're kind of 50 pages in and then you turn back and say, Oh, who was this person? You know, I kind of can't really remember who that was. And I think it took me multiple drafts to realize a uh, marzika character, hai, for example, yeah, even her mother's character, Rania's mother's character, Jahani Rumi, or the sister's character. My editor said, Saba, if you want people to be invested in Ujala, in the story, because she drives a big part of the story, um, what happens to her drives a big part of the story, then you have to develop a backstory to the sister's relationship, you know, like what was their childhood like, what was growing up like. So one thing about kind of really sculpting and honing the sub characters and it couldn't just be a story about Rania. But I think the question about kind of doing characters with more hues than just black and white, I mean, I think, Fatima, for me, black and white characters are like a pet peeve for me now. You know, it's like when you see someone you're outrightly rooting for, I think hoti that you don't want to root for them, hoti that you're thinking, So, you know, there's that scene with the therapist in New York, for those who I know some people, Amna's read it and Huma's read it and you've read it. And, you know, like there's that scene. And I was very conscious about saying, what might a young girl do in that scenario? Like there's temptation, you're completely broken at that point in time. Now I say unrealistically, actually, no, she's beyond all of that. She's so pitch perfect. So I think that's also something I've struggled uh, I struggled with in Pakistani literature more generally, that we try and gloss over these things. We do broad stroke brushes. Um, you know, she's again going to be a cut-up doll. Like, and people need to really be rooting for her. And I guess I went back to that really, really uh, basic rule of thumb, which is, Show and don't tell. So I don't want to tell people how to feel about Rania. I don't want to tell people how to feel about any of the sub-characters either. I want to show, and this is where my filmmaking background comes in a little bit. Show it almost like vignettes of a film reel and let people kind of react to that. And people have reacted differently, you know, to different parts of it, Fatma. So I find that interesting also, especially when somebody reacts in a way that I didn't intend it to be necessarily as writing it. And, and so I think I was very conscious to say this can't be, that's why, and I don't want to give the end away, but even in the end, you realize it's not all a utopian scenario because life just isn't like that. That's not how life works. So I think I think that's that's where kind of the gray in the characters came from.
0: Yeah, um, and talking about characters and the ca- gray characters, let's also touch upon uh, the love interest of Rania, uh, and the fact that again uh, he was an Indian filmmaker. Oh, also a great tra- gray character in the sense that he also sort of was a broken character start may when he enters it seems uh the sort of strength he ends up becoming for rania uh, to the reader at the start it seemed to, oh this is somebody who's you know who has figured it out who who has his sort of life sorted he he has grounds are all, he, he is like he's standing on solid ground so you know that is the sort of character you need for this uh complicated protagonist to you know sort of be able to move forward but during the course of time, we get to realize that he himself is as broken as a normal human being can be, but despite all of that fact, they both of them have sort of found sort of a, a rhythm or a way where they can sort of support and, you know, be other's support and move on and maybe find a happier uh, life together. But again, it's uh, a typical storyline of the Indian character, but that Indian character was not a typical Indian character, not judging the same. There were no typical Indian Pakistani wale characters. Again, in our films, be it Lollywood tries, makes an attempt in sort of showing cross-border love story or Bollywood has done multiple times, but doing the same typical thing over and over again. So where did that idea came from? Again, Rania could have been any other girl in any other setting. Uh, so how was the fact that her love interest had to be from across the border?
1: Yeah, well, uh, that's one of my favorite questions. I was talking to Amna about it earlier, actually. And it's just, um, I think it's interesting, Fatma, because credit due where credit deserved. The original seed of that idea came from a conversation with Babsi Sidva. This was years ago, and we were just generally talking about writing. And she sort of sparked this this interest within me to say, we haven't seen a Pakistan-India love story that's done without sort of pandering to the tropes in in a long time. And she said, so so always bear it in mind that there could be a possibility to do an India-Pakistan story. Um, Of course, again, that is area and that's thematic ground that has been covered ad nauseum. But I think her point was to say, there's no harm in revisiting that but can you tell it in a way that doesn't feel um you know repetitive or predictable or just kind of deliberate you know and i thought about it a lot and i guess um over the last few years just seeing the rise in this idea of love jihad seeing that astronomical kind of rise seeing the meltdown kind of on india's streets and squares around this issue um, part of me, of course, reacted with complete rage to say, what's going on? You know, your immediate kind of impulsive reaction is that that's just, it's inhumane for those sorts of things to happen. And of course, it is that you're listening national anthem and this, that, the other. But I think, I think what I, I guess what I decided at that point to do was that, when that when you settle down a bit, you realize, how do I use art to really try and galvanize and make some kind of meaning out of this? And so I think Asher's character stems from a very personal mood board for me. You know, this love jihad context, the other is like growing up in Karachi, there's always this threat about, you know, an India-Pakistan border breakout. You're always hearing it. It's kind of like a tinderbox. And I guess I thought, What's a different and slightly fresh way to look at this story? Like, is there a different way to tell this story? And if so, what could that look like? So, I think I think I definitely would have struggled a lot to have Asher's character be um, again like what was expected. And the funny thing is, a lot of people reacted like that and said, "Oh, we were surprised when it didn't turn out see that way." So I feel, me. and then in the, the the context of it i think um just his nature just his personality again i was being cautious of saying nobody has a pitch perfect life you know that things can be broken and yet they can be beautiful and there's a certain embracing of that chaos and that messiness and kind of, he's moved, he's made that move from bitterness and resentment to actually still keeping his heart open to beauty and hope and light. And I think that's really where his character came from and I wanted him to be deliberately gentle and kind of, the word I've been using a lot with you earlier as well to say, can he also be compelling yet quiet or do people always have to be loud to have an impact? And I think with with Asher, I was experimenting with, you know, the kind of more um, just the more invisible gravity that really is indispensable to Rania's journey, because I feel the louder kind of placard holding protest always gets registered. But is there another way to kind of be powerful?
0: Yeah, so again, uh, so one of the best things about Skyfall, and that is the reason I've, like, focused this conversation on that and not on the general plot, is that the characters and their, their you know, their shade of gray is something that's, that keeps you hooked uh, from cover to cover. And uh, obviously, then the story plot comes in and obviously it, it has its own, uh, you know, pace that, that keeps you going. But the characters are something that, uh, you know, sort of, Uh, help Skyfall stand out of uh, the sort of uh, Desi literature that's uh, coming out of Pakistan. Um, So before I open the floor, I have two questions. Uh, One is again, um, the sort of touch on the macro uh, setting of the plot. And the other one is I think something that you have also, uh, I know uh, of this personally, because we have had this discussion before and also you have touched upon it uh, before as well uh, but uh, let's see if the rest of our audience knows about that influence as well uh, but again uh, my the macro question is that you know again there is another stereotypical thought that you know west has all the answers for the east um, and you know east has a lot of problems uh, patriarchal society uh, I think the patriarchal society is an issue that's a global issue, but again, it's seen as the fact that it's more, practiced more easily in the East, which is again a myth. Uh, I was I just recently got done with um, Nasreen Malik's book, the, which is like we need new sto- uh, stories, and she has basically also torn torn these myths that you know the the African continent, the Eastern continent, the Middle Eastern continent is the oppressed one and you know the west is this enlightened place that has all the solutions to our problems when i was reading it you know i sort of skyfall ke se images it's it's a non-fiction book but wo skyfall ke images jo hai na wo the, because when rania finally ends up in the liberated west she images so just touch upon that ke, uh, you know uh, this is a fact now, I think, which which I really like that now a lot of other writers and thinkers are sort of, are starting to, you know, talk about it openly, you know, there is an issue globally. These are issues that we need to sort of, you know, partner in and, you know, find out a better way of living for the future and the present. And it's not one side of the world has all their things sorted out and they don't practice those hypocritical things, but others do
1: yeah yeah 100% fatma and i think again for me that's very personal and i guess everybody on the call can probably relate to this as well which is key, you know there was this I, there was something nagging at me has been nagging at me for so many years and it's in in two words what i would call it is passport privilege you know and the conversation around passport privilege or the lack thereof and i think with skyfall within the garb of fiction what I wanted to do was try and unpack that and try and push back against that and say, wait, the same thing the title means, you know, which is the last attempt you make against a group of people when you're outnumbered. So to say, well, can somebody without that kind of passport privilege make that last stand? And and can, can a book like Skyfall help us imagine a less divided world? Can we think about... Hope entering and about peaceful coexistence. And I think in a world where your passport kind of determines your life's prospects to such a large extent, you know, whether it's instrumental in terms of the jobs you get, the salary you can negotiate, the school admissions you get or whether it's in terms of just the impact it has on your well-being, you're there's always this fear that somebody's, I distinctly remember a couple of years ago, I was at Melbourne Airport with my husband and daughters and my nanny, she, she has a Filipino passport and my husband and the girls and i got sort of very arbitrarily and quite rudely pushed to a different side and you know they allowed her to nicely saunter on because she was not on a pakistani passport And i think when it happens on repeat and when you see a patent kind of clocking you stop and ask yourself can this be a coincidence and i guess the answer is no so i think what i was trying to get to vis-a-vis passport privilege is to say one the practical benefits of having a passport that's amongst the top 10 passports and there's literally a ranking the other day I was showing it to my students at NYU but with Skyfall I was more interested to kind of grapple with this issue of what happens when you start internalizing these stereotypes that are weighed against your passport or levied against your passport which is to say I grew up I think so many of us grew up with this idea that you know the West, the American dream, you know, it's the land of meritocracy, of liberal values, and this, that, the other. And Rania grew up with that, you know, and she grew up with this real voyeuristic kind of imagination of what the West might offer. And that's why. So her journey yeah. To New York was really important for that kind of coming of age story to happen because until she didn't go to New York and actually have that gaze and have that experience, she wouldn't be able to reclaim Lahore, which is a big part of you know the story. And I think I think that's why I made her journey there and, and kind of experience it first I had to say A, the problems that we try and associate with Pakistan are not specific to Pakistan. And B, the stereotypes that get levied against us Um, are not always a they're not accurate but b they're not the only part of Pakistan you know so so to kind of try and open up both a more nuanced glimpse into our own country that it's not just the bearded terrorist it's not just the veiled woman 1.5 million children are on the streets that's an undeniable reality but the west has its own share of problems and also Pakistan has a lot more beyond the West. So I think it was very important to debunk some of those myths. And merely that comes from a very personal space because I think I've struggled with that. I've kind of stood at airports and felt embarrassed of my Pakistani passport, you know. Um, when the girls were born, when my two daughters were born, and we're still in this conversation a lot of times to say, where can we buy another nationality from? You know, because that's always the impression that you're kind of given growing up with that green passports, so I think it's passport privilege that I was really trying to to tackle with with you know places in the book
0: yeah and again uh, I think those uh and specifically in the with all that has been happening for the past couple of years around the world uh I think that we're liberated and well, Lisa, the people that they have they have their value system sorted out and they they have their merit system sorted out we, we are seeing that every all that sort of that glass is sort of shattering because they have I think they some sections in their society themselves are figuring it out that they have issues that they really need to figure
1: out themselves uh so uh just before we go and it's also interesting because I feel like we internalize stereotypes and then they internalize them so much because I was having a chat with somebody at NYU recently and she said she was in America, capital you know, and at the in Washington, etc., and people were kind of clamoring up the walls. And she says, somebody she knew from this very so-called educated, privileged kind of academic backdrop called her and said, Oh gosh, what's happening to our to our nation? We're becoming so third world. And to her, the use of that kind of language was like gut-wrenching to say you know, I mean, there's always the vocabulary and the tonality comes from such a a space of moral high ground that I think those sorts of things are very telling, you know.
0: Yeah, it was very interesting. I think it was CNN or one of these news channels when this was happening and they had like, like, everybody had their eyeballs popped out. Uh, And I think Turkey had issued uh, this thing to their citizens, the stuff that usually these countries issue for our sort of countries that, you know, travel safe, don't visit X, Y, Z. And they were like, oh my God, we send these for other come And, you know, they are now saying it for us. This is so embarrassing. And he was like, yeah, welcome to the global world. Yeah. <laughs> so so it, it was, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so again, I think uh, because I've just recently got done with uh, Nasreen Malik's book, and I highly recommend that everybody reads it. Because she has sort of, you know, dissected every uh hardcore patriarchy, how it works in East and West and everything. And it's like, you know, we all have issues and we need to work on that. So I sure. think Skyfall also has that uh theme. So before I ask you to, you know, read a section from the book and then we can open it uh, to questions. Um you have used poetry in this book. And the use of poetry obviously it, it gels in and then sinks in with the fact that Rania is loves music and is sort of taking part in the competition, and she and the sort of songs she is singing, the the, the songs that you have sort of made that character sing, and if this ever ends up becoming a movie, that would be very interesting to see. Um, but the poetry is very hardcore. It's not. I won't. I don't know if I, if I'm using the right word. It's not contemporary poetry. It's very hardcore, sort of original. Purana Hamara text which has a lot of meaning, a lot of subtext and everything. And you have used that. So uh, you mentioned in the start that your father's uh, being interested in literature and poetry was an influence. But also share, have you like adopted it? Is that, is that something that you read on the side? or And, and the passages that you have used, uh, how did you uh, end up choosing them?
1: Yeah. You know, yes, I think Abu and just my home environment is a big part of it, of course, because, you know, going to like private schools in Pakistan growing up with that, the the general syndrome at the school I attended was anybody who has a good command over Urdu like you should actually be embarrassed of being able to speak good urdu which i cringe at that prospect but i don't think i ever bought into it because there was enough going on at home to work as a coil to it but a lot of my sort of surround sound and circle was that to say english with an anglicized accent is perfectly great and kind of is a marker of status and prestige but you know, kind of steer away from indulging too much in Urdu because that gives off. I mean, it's almost a lowering of the connotation if it is a lowering of one's status, I suppose, which is so strange to me, especially in retrospect. Now, I think funnily, Fatma, I suppose, or interestingly, because ghar ka mahol kuch tha, I always kind of intuitively reacted more to Urdu literature than I even did to English literature and I think I still do um so I read it at school you know we were reading stuff like Si Mohabbat even in our a-level years which I thought was quite heavy for people who are like you know 17 and so on and I had a fantastic teacher back then and it's something that subsequently carried at college and both in the form of prose and poetry, and I guess, Ismay, what I want to say is that I finally understood why it speaks to me in louder tones than maybe English literature, and it's because there's an emotional and a cultural connect, which is kind of if not know and read the first Skyfall translation, they won't it. But I cringe when I often read translated stories of Manto or when someone's trying to translate Fairs, because somewhere I think there's a like exactly the word you use there's a subtext that you can't translate at least there are qualities of translation and I think it varies and my editor sort of suggested to me that keep the original version there but because the book is in English and you're you're kind of wanting an axis of readership that goes beyond geography and language, keep the translation there as well. So I think that's the reason why both those things are there. But I think the choice of poetry, again, Faiz's poetry is something that is very close to, I'm sure, a lot of our hearts. And again, I think it's because it feels like a strange statement to make, but it was so ahead of its times. Today we're about women's liberation, about kind of women's sexuality and desire. And all of this was being already spoken about when he was writing. Um, I think it's also emblematic of a kind of courage so there's a part in the book where, you know, I even mentioned that he was being taken away on this Tonga, you know, and um, and and he was writing all these really groundbreaking kind of pieces and verses. So I think there's a beauty in the verses that I feel I've chosen and in Urdu literature in general, where you can be extremely simple and yet say something that is so um, that is so powerful, that is so gut-wrenching and that is mm-hmm. I think that stays with you and so the pieces that have made it into the book I think are the ones that um that have really moved me or kind of touched my life in some way that's that's I think why why I chose them
0: uh, okay so uh, please read a passage uh, and maybe you can share why you are choosing to read that is it your favorite or is it something that you find more significant and then we'll open the floor for questions
1: Sure. So I think what I'm going to read today, um, uh, Fatma, is actually a passage I haven't read before. And um, the reason why I'm reading it is that, you know, part of what Skyfall does, and I'm really glad that we can have this conversation in the safe space of a book club chat. Maybe it's not something I would stand up at a literature festival and read out. But is that amongst women's issues, amongst everything else that we've spoken about, One of the other things that is very close to my heart with the book is that it pushes back against organized religion. And what I mean with that is also just this idea of saying, this is one version of Islam, and this is the only version, and anything else or anyone not subscribing to that version of it um, is labeled with all sorts of titles that we know all too well. So I think today I want to read a short passage that speaks to this kind of idea that you can be as connected to Allah, God, whatever, whoever it is, whatever deity it is, to, to feel that connect with that power without having to subscribe or be forged with these chains of organized religion around us. So that's just the context to it. It's just a short passage. Yeah. Yeah. When I lay in bed that night, I began to believe that there was a God. Not the god of trifling, inconsequential things my father worshipped, nor the one hovering above me, talking my every moon, demanding flattery, and waiting to inflict misery on its creation at the slightest slip up. Whether God be he or she or nay, the sun, the moon, or hidden in every layer of the stratosphere, it hardly mattered. For God was in the bliss that ran through my veins every time it rained without warning, or when I saw a baby entangle its tiny finger with her mother's, or when the sun blended effortlessly into the horizon and moonlight appeared, or when the miracle of childbirth was witnessed. But mostly, I felt God when light began to gradually overcome the darkness that consumed our worlds. Be it the light that mosques spread through their bright lanterns or the stained glass windows in churches that told biblical stories. Each a beautiful reminder that even when we believed contrarily, light guided the way and promised new roads. It was the clearest sign to believe. I didn't need a human agent to fear monger and shove God's message at me in order to consider placing my faith in him or sense him surrounding me i laughed silently thinking of how needy and cruel shirji's god must be the god i hadn't kneeled to and never would so that's just a little passage that i wanted to read because i think that's one of the themes that's very close to my heart it's conversations i've had at home and you know, it's a delicate dance to write about them, but it's definitely something that I think is very front and center in the book.
0: True, uh, and I think it's front and center to our society as well as everyone in their own individual capacity. And I think as a society, we are sort of struggling with this idea in itself. Uh, yeah. So I uh, the floor is open for questions. Uh, whoever wants to go first, can raise their hand and yeah yeah Amma, you can go ahead
2: uh hi sabba uh actually i have a, I have, I have a few questions from a totally different perspective i would like to integrate all of them uh the first one is you said Apne pehle novel likha in a small novel uh, in the final year final year of lums right or ab ab proper ek is time period? में?
1: So the novella which was a completely different one of to this obviously was 2006 so I would say to publication date it's probably a decade and a half but I guess when I started writing skyfall of killing decade. beach. so
2: Skyfall was it the frustration inside you which you experienced was it the natural uh andar se वैसे uh, you enjoyed writing ab like main I jab honna, frustration to i start writing <laughs> I frustration hon, writing mein jab passport wala jai, ya, injustice lho, so like <coughs> it took you a decade to write this down secondly reason thi, was it frustration what was it and thirdly जो कैरेक्टर्स थे वो ओवर अ पीरियड ऑफ टाइम खुद डेवलप हुए दिमाग में या आप प्रॉपर बैठे यू यू टक पेंसिल एंड अ पेपर और आपने किताबें पढ़ी और आपने क्रिएट करना शुरू किया और एक होता है कि खुद ब आपके दिमाग में होता जाता है 3 years, character हो जाता है Depends on your imagination, आपकी imagination कितनी है। तीन the अगर
1: Of course. Bilkul, I think your question is so right that, I mean, for a decade to have lapsed in the middle. And there are a couple of responses to that, Amar. I think the first thing was that... Amar,
2: Amar, Amar.
1: Oh, Amar. I'm so sorry. Amar, is that correct? Yes, Amar. Amar, I I think the the first thing was that Um, Jesse, the reason why I always mention my backstory or I mention Abu and my siblings and everybody else and me as part of this or just the literary household kind of ecosystem is that I think the creative element, that desire for some kind of creative output and storytelling was always there. One reason why it took so long for me to eventually get to it, very, very frankly, was the bills and practical constraints. So I just did not have the luxury graduating out of Lums to be Bank I was devastated to accept it, to be honest. That when I did, I quite enjoyed it. I felt it was taking me completely away from everything that I had imagined I would do in life. But you know, there are circumstances that are often beyond our control, and that, this was definitely one of them. That um I think it also took time for me to realise, supposing wo practical constraints नहीं cheque bill I think the other the other issue for me was that you realise हर series of moments and eventually mujhe lagta hai, there's one or two luminous instances जैसे a light bulb moment almost होता headmaster ki class thi, wo quote tha where he said you know people lead lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave to आपका song kya hai? And I think it takes us time to realize, to hit pause, and say, "Mera song hai kya? What is my song?" When I'm sitting on my deathbed, as Hamad had said to me the other day, "What ghosts will haunt me of things that I didn't complete in life? You know, or things that I wanted to do for beyond the paycheck?" And so I think I'm kind of almost glad that I didn't rush that, and I took my time to realize, "Is there me on my writing? Zarur kar rahi thi? But I was doing shorter pieces like op-eds, flash fiction. कारीती. I didn't do something like a novel, you know? And so I think I think these were the two reasons why it took time to come to that, you know? So that's the answer to your first question, the more practical part, but then the more intellectual unearthing, I suppose. The other question you asked me was like, when do you write? Is there something? And I do believe uh, that Art, all kinds of art is a form of protest, whether you know it or not. Merely, I think I wasn't doing it for that reason, though. Women's issues, violence against women, they make me seeds, they burn my mind, and obviously they've made their way into my storytelling. But I don't think that's why I decided to write a book. I decided to write a book because I wanted to write a book. Tomorrow, I'll probably write about something else. But gee, the content that's going to go into any kind of story that I tell is most likely going to be, just say, Skyfall is not autobiographical, but it's definitely drawing upon, you know, experiences that I've had or things that bother me. So, though I find it very difficult to extricate that from my writing, so Rania ki dunia meri dunia se bahot alag hogi, but ho they come from a space of a gamut of emotions, right? So in some cases, it's anger. In some cases, it's heartbreak. It's in some cases, it's sorrow and grief. It's helplessness. It's vulnerability. And I think that eventually becomes a form of protest because cheez se protest you're a feminist. I want to be able to use mediums like fiction to be able to reach a wider audience and to not be offensive just for the sake of being offensive i think fiction gives you a platform mm-hmm. without necessarily being in people's faces this mm-hmm. is about characters and whether they developed over time merely because i'm not trained in a with an mfa or i don't have access to an inner, inner circle the process of developing the story and the characters was very experimental. And I, it took me time. But over time, I allowed myself to become comfortable with that. People asked me, the And I said, I will I would struggle to write a story that doesn't move from darkness to light, that doesn't offer hope. I think hope was in abstract terms. But with the characters, I journeyed with them, and over time, it was an immersive process hai that I wanted to say that I never imagined there would be a scene like that in the book. And it's at quite an advanced stage in the book. But I realized, yeah, you know, I mean, what are the gray shades? And, and so, to answer your question, I stayed with them over time quietly and allowed myself to become comfortable with the fact that As human beings, we crave that certainty that I guarantee that character or will be I didn't know what that was going to be. And I think over time, as I immersed in the world, it came to me.
2: Thank you. Uh, I have a couple of more very interesting questions. But Fatma, I think other deserve to ask first. What yeah, was, oh, yeah, yeah sure.
0: Uh, anyone else has a question um yeah I just wanted to comment that the, the way you've built up the characters is beautiful and just reading the book each and every sentence seems like you've really thought it through and it's like reading poetry um it's beautifully written um you just mentioned at one point about Asher, so his character is amazing like I think all girls are in love with him, probably. So yeah, um, you mentioned that you know Aranya says to him at one point uh, that in a world full of uh, takers, you're a giver. You're definitely a giver, something like that. So can you just elaborate a little bit on this concept? What is
1: it? Yeah, well, well, thanks for that question. I, yeah, I mean, Asher is sort of, I think, aspirational for so many of us as well. But I think beyond his beyond his individual sort of the fact that, yes, there's a pull to him. What I wanted to show was that there's a lot of darkness in Rania's world, especially the the initial pages of the book. Um, When I'm setting up Lahore, you know, I'm seeing place working almost as protagonist. I need to get even a reader sitting in America familiar with Lahore, even if they've never heard of it or been to it. And I wanted something to work as a foil to that. And this is, again, something that, you know, um, that that my brothers really, really kind of honed within me and within our family to say, resentment, hoti hai. there are going to be lots of moments where you feel bitter, you feel jaded, you feel badly done by, but eventually, is there a way to move on from that feeling? You know, aapke hai, different stages of anger and grief and this, that, the other. And Is there a way to to finally move beyond kind of resentment and bitterness and feeling like dunya mein kuchh acha nahi sakta. And Rania's almost closing herself out to that um, until, uh, at the point where she meets Asher. And I think it was, so I've kind of wanted to use Asher's character literally but also symbolically to say, can, can I invite readers to imagine a world where there are givers rather than takers. And you know, the giver taker idea kind of is that typically everyone is looking out for themselves. You know, se bhi kar rahe hon, like chances are no one's even going to really be listening. People are more interested in kind of quickly talking about themselves. I'm giving you a small example. And so I think it's very rare to come across someone who's willing to unconditionally champion you or just even bolster you in quiet ways. And I think Asher is really that indispensable gravity without which I think the book would completely fall apart. And I kind of, I think to me in a single word, he um, he completely is emblematic of hope in the whole book. And, and the fact that Rania, he wants to preserve the kind of light and bring people to that. And, you know, kind of, you make someone else the center of your universe and you kind of move beyond. We're all narcissistic in our own ways. Rania was, she left her mother and, and went off. Some might read that as selfish. She says that at the end, we're all the center of our own universe. So I think with Asher, and this again goes back to what Fatma had also asked earlier, I wanted to say. Without him screaming about his love, um, you know, and about just hope, can he still be compelling? And I think I think the other fun fact around that, Amna, is that that very cheap fun fact, though I have to say, is that those are also the kinds of people I get, the kinds of like male uh personalities I've always been drawn to in any capacity. So I'm not saying just in the form of a romantic love interest, but I've always maybe because I talk so much myself, but I've, I've definitely always been drawn to people who are um, kind of like, they don't have to say everything, like less can be more, and yet there's this magnetism to them. Yeah, so
0: um, we had a participant, uh, a you who had to leave early, but he has left a question, so I'm gonna ask on his behalf and he said that how has working in a multicultural or ethnic environment influenced uh, skyfall's process uh, in your view and interactions post book release uh, what is the thing that we pakistanis don't understand about multiculturalism and inclusivity
1: yeah well that's a beautiful question you know i recently did a workshop on inclusive fiction also for me, Fatma, it's been a very major learning curve, a very, very steep learning curve myself. And the reason why I say that is that um, we tend to react and also so we receive information and we offer information, whether that's stories or anything else, in black and white hues and in convenient kind of boxes. And I think I think a question about working in multi-ethnic environments and also studying in sort of Lums in Oxford. Well, Oxford was very multi-ethnic, but Lums was also very diverse in its own way, where you realize that this is what real people in the real world looks like. there's somebody who's, who drives like a Mercedes, there's you, and then there's someone who's from the national outreach program from a part of Pakistan that, you know, I've maybe not even seen in pictures. And so that's a different kind of, you know, multi-variation to your, just your perspective building. And so I think it's my time at universe, at both my universities, along with working in sort of multi, multi-dimensional and multi uh, sort of cultural environments that has definitely played a role in saying that many Skyfall have done with I've said, let's strip open these boxes that we put women in, that we put religion in, that we put America in, that we put Pakistan in, and let's Lahore ke bhi koshish And my editor also made me realize this: ke, take time with building up Lahore. Like there are gonna be people who've never visited Lahore. I wanted to show parts of Lahore that are very non-sanitized. What is tucked away in the crevices on the rooftops? Um, you know, and and so I think for me it was the those were the most surprising elements, and I think. Exposure to those obviously then informs both the characters and the way you build up place, And I think that's very important because I also struggle to consume a, information that is too clear. I think when an arc of a book or a play or anything is too sanitized, I'm always suspicious of it. Um, and, and I think when people react to me and say Skyfall Reads is a very raw kind of written book, I think that is a big compliment because I didn't want it to be over sanitized. Being exposed to a multicultural <laughs> environment, and to answer you second part of the question, I think we still lack this a lot. People are very quick and kind of very prompt to offer judgment. And that's why I chose to read this paragraph also today to say, Neiji, like it's this way, or then you're not a believer. You know, and there's good believers and bad believers. And Rumi has this beautiful line in one of his verses where he says, Um, I can't remember the exact words, but something along the lines of saying, you know, talking about about meeting someone in a field that is beyond these ideas of right doing and wrong doing and saying, you know, who are we to pass that kind of judgment? So I think that's the other thing that when it comes to multicultural perspective, Pakistanis, unfortunately, lack a little bit like you're not aware of anybody's backstory of what kind of is the context to it. And yet we're very quick to kind of offer judgments on morality and religion and all of these things. And <laughs> I think it's the inferiority complex. Like eventually, going back to passport privilege to say, use multiculturalism in a way that then allows you to celebrate your own country and its people as well, rather than just wanting to mimic a certain Western sort of tapestry and fabric.
0: Okay, Amar, from your multiple questions, you can ask one last one, because this will be the last question. Your mic is mute. Uh...
2: Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Okay, actually it's a sort of difference in approach in life which you said you have depicted in your uh, novel and you said that you have areas grey areas and in life everything is not the same as you are wanting but I don't remember 80% of the literature and the teachings and life that we have created in our perception in life where there is a will there is a way fortune smiles at the brave you keep trying, 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 trying and ultimately you reach your goal आपने अब जो what I perceived from your uh कुछ कुछ you said you, you have brought in grey in this uh, in your story I, I haven't read your story लेकिन this is uh मुझे लगा आपका difference in approach पूरा ही reader को confuse the कि यार the ज़िंदगी perception पूरी दुनिया like I was in UK approach करेंगे effort करेंगे, भी आपके different approach hmm,
1: what an interesting I completely agree with you that um, you know the, the idea about where there's a will there's a way Alibat is kind of the mantra there is ubiquitous and it's it's universal, right? Lakin and, and I think I think probably reading the book will hopefully clarify this. But when I was it's interesting you say that because that's exactly the spirit that crystallizes the book as well. Jo baat about where there's a will, there's a way, starting right like I said from its title, which is, you know, to make that last stand when you're outnumbered, to dare to try and, you know, um to tr- try and grab those dreams. So that's a hundred percent a thread that goes throughout the book. And in fact, that relates very closely to this idea of unearthing your song. Wo quote kuch is se tha ke, Most men and women lead lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with the song still in them. And what is your song? And the entire point of writing Skyfall, part of it was to unearth my song, and part of it was to show you, ja can a girl. girl dream And can a girl dare to unearth her song? Um, there's one one thing that really summarizes all of this, which is हमें हमेशा से सिखाया जाता है. आप dreams like not हमें चले नहीं but people from mm-hmm. the margins को अक्सर सिखाया you know dreams and reality tie in you know just because आपकी ये अवसर है to try and achieve this there are there are you'll hear that kind of language as well. Skyfall pushes back against that to say outstrip your reality so that it fits your dreams, not the other way around ap apne dreams ko hi scale down karein, fit your reality. Um, but coming to the part about gray, and this is what I meant when I said I think reading it will probably clarify. When I say gray, I definitely don't conflate that with this idea of you know, keep going and where there's a will, there's a way and catch your dreams. Where there's a line in it where she says, You, Rania, will raise a single flag of possibility. And I think Oseek loves possibility, she encapsulates everything that you've said about wanting to go go and grab this. Grace mera matlab kuch. Grace that we tend to try and see characters or film that hero and heroine and flawed she imperfect she vulnerable nahi ho sakte. that will almost go against the grain of being heroic and I think with Rani, I was very keen to explore this middle ground to say she can she can be selfish as well and yet you know she can her voice can be ascendant and she can be a hero of sorts i mean I, I i take i i just uh i struggle with that word anyway i mean what does hero mean in this day and age but the fact that okay you know she her like she can at the end come out on top in some ways so grace tha ki she doesn't have to be a sati Savitri. she doesn't have to be a goody two-shoes the whole time there are a lot more nuanced and Pakistan may be a storytellers go if and are flawed. De, to usme, you know, and, and how would that detract from like our morality and this and that? I wanted to do that and say, is there a way where she can be flawed and vulnerable and yet, you know, kind of there can be there can be things that redeem her? So those were just two sort of slightly different things, if that answers your question.
0: i think it's mike mike's mute again uh so with that uh thank you very much for your time uh this was a very fun session i always love talking to you hopefully it was fun for our participants as well and until
1: next time uh, thank Thank you you thank you thank you i really enjoyed it.